welcome to the Saturday Night Stop podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Hara. Marler, there's good news and there's bad news. What do you want first? Oh, give me the good news, Connor. The good news is we're recording our Office Bracket special episode right here, right now. If you're listening to this, you already saw the title. You can read. Or maybe you just blindly listen to all of our episodes. Whatever the case, it is our Office episode special podcast wherein we break down the bracket that you all voted on the past couple weeks. That's the good news. The bad news is because we're doing this, it means that Auburn lost in the semifinals to Virginia. Sounds like double good news to me, Connor. Don't be that guy. I won't be that guy. No, I've been, I've been, I've, I finally had to take off my Auburn basketball hat. I thought you were going to say the good news was this is just going to be an hour and 15 minutes of Mark Stoops going, put your money in this bank over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> just, just on loop. That episode that... was hilarious, but very redundant. People are like, I don't really get what they were trying to do for like the first 10 minutes of it. It seemed like yeah. it kind of got old. Over but... it. Okay, so we are going to talk about Auburn in a second here, and we are going to just, I just want to hit maybe 10 minutes on this because Auburn fans, if you're listening to this, you don't want to hear an hour and a half of us yeah. talking about your team's loss and just the way that it happened. I wrote on, on Saturday night, it was basically the worst possible way for that run to end. I'd argue it was worse than a buzzer beater just because of the fact that the celebration already started, all that. We're going to get into that in a minute. But yeah. before we do that, before we get to that, before we get into any of our office stuff, Got to talk to you about our friends at Ticket City. And yes, Auburn fans, I hear you. You don't want to go to the national championship because it's really, really expensive. It's painful. But if you do, you're like, hey, I booked my hotel up in Minneapolis. I'm going to be there through Monday all the way up until Tuesday anyways. I might as well go to the game. Maybe you buy some of those Michigan State tickets, whatever you're doing. Or maybe you want to sell your tickets. I don't know what you want to do. But if you're doing anything with your tickets, you need to go to TicketCity.com. They are going to get you the best deal, whether you're buying or selling or doing any of that stuff. And they are going to get you the best way to deal with the loss of what happened on Saturday night and the fallout of all that. I know that you've been going to Ticket City for all your tickets leading up to this game, leading up to this weekend. Continue to do so. If you're going to the national championship, you're not going to the national championship, make sure you do so on TicketCity.com. Now, Let's listen, get into it. I want to say one thing real quick, Connor. Just a little advice here from Uncle Chris. When I was 20 or 21, let's say 21 for the sake of how much I'd had to drink that night, and I was in college, I bought a $10 ticket to see Corey Smith live in Milledgeville just to boo. So maybe you want to do that. Find you a ticket on Ticket City, go to the National Championship game, and let the refs hear it. Something That's to think about. two straight podcasts that you've said that you've gone to a concert ironically. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I've gone to, uh, Connor, I've seen some bad concerts. That could be a, a, a thing in, in, in and of its own. <laughs> Auburn fans were not feeling too good walking out of the building. Uh, those who stayed to the end and didn't just walk out of the building after the initial buzzer sounded and <laughs> the four PA guy. Oh man! I mean, uh, the, I even saw on, on Old Takes Exposed that there was a brief, brief tweet, tweet from the Auburn basketball Twitter account saying that Auburn had won and was advancing to the national championship. Everybody by now has seen it. The foul that was called on Samir Doty, the the, the non-double-dribble call at the end there. Uh, that was tough. On Ty Jerome that we found out after the final buzzer. No reason to bring that on there. No reason to bring that on there. Somebody was going to, though. Somebody yeah. was going to. And it was going to go viral. That was the problem. And they got, they got out ahead of it. And I credit them for doing that. So That's a really good point. I say that this is the worst possible way to lose because... Nope. 
Auburn fans are going to feel like this wasn't merit-based, and I can't necessarily say that I blame them 100% for feeling like that if yeah. the double dribble thing is part of it. Now, on initial, everybody that, that saw the initial play was like, how in the world do they make that call on that spot? That's ridiculous. How do you yeah. let a game decide by that? Eh, on second on second glance, I could totally see where the officials are coming from. Regardless, no matter how you feel about the call, it sucks that this run had to end yeah. like that. It, and that so, that's the bottom line. And to, have, and to be down 10... With four minutes to go, and they flash that graphic up, okay? And so that yep. that second half, so in, I really expected, like, <laughs> I don't even know where I want to start with this because they were winning at halftime. Um, if you wanted to bet the over under at halftime, let's give a shout out to Vegas here. It was sixty and a half, and there were fifty nine total points. Auburn's team total was sixty two and a half, and I was like, that is a lock. Like that is an absolute lock because you usually the second half you kind of figure out the other defense, and you're and it's there's it's a higher scoring half, so. Auburn, the first 12 minutes, looked lost. I jokingly put something up on, on social media about this second-half offense brought to you by, and I put a picture of Gus Malzahn, because it just looked inept and kind of stumbling, and just it was not anywhere close to where they were in the first half. And then Bryce Brown gets hot, and Jared Harper hits a big three. And you cut that 10-0 lead, or that 10-point 10, 10 lead, like, why well, didn't even cut it. You, you, you overtook the lead. Yeah, overtook <laughs> like, it I mean, completely. And I was sitting there, and I, like, I was already counting the money that I thought I had won with Virginia. And and I'm I'm like sitting there I'm like this is over like this is flat out over, and and I'm like laughing and, and Allie's kind of looking at me and she's like are you still watching I'm like on my phone, and and they of course like because they flashed that graphic and it was like Auburn is thirty and nine this year, thirty and zero when they are winning with five minutes to go in the game yep. zero and nine when they are losing with with less than five minutes to go and I was like what, seems important, <laughs> that's pertinent that's- information. That's the the worst thing about the way that this ended, too, is that the run that Auburn went on there in those four minutes was unbelievable. To go from against the number one defense in the country, that pack line defense that everybody's raving Jeez. about, everybody is is heralding nonstop, especially when Auburn gets off that. to the yeah, especially when Auburn gets off to the bad start in the second half. To go from down ten to up four with nine seconds left. And basically, Auburn did that in like a four-and-a-half-minute stretch. To yeah. do that against Virginia Four minutes and unreal. 19 seconds. Like, I mean, and, and, that's, and that's what you brought up is that did, I didn't even realize that, excuse me, until several hours afterwards when they said, when you say they're up four with nine seconds left. Up four with nine seconds left. And that, Guy hits the three and then. Uh, and Guy is such a good, he's such a good shooter. But what, what makes it like, so tough, and I will say this, and like, of course, I wasn't cheering for Auburn necessarily because I'm an Alabama fan, as all of you know. It still sucked to have to to have it be. Ugh, you think about the whole season, and we talk about the Tennessee thing, and I, I I kept saying those seniors deserve better. This that team deserve deserve better than the, the end they got. I don't want to say the same thing necessarily for Auburn because I do think it was a foul. Charles Barkley agreed that was a foul as well, and, yeah. and I don't want to get into that as much because that's not why they necessarily lost. But man, like what an incredible run! And that that four minutes and nineteen seconds. I hate to sound dramatic or caught up in the moment. That really embodied the whole spirit of this team for the whole yep. year. Yep, no doubt. And, and to me, the the championship moment was there too. When everybody oh. everybody watching on TV sees Anthony Mclemore step to the free throw line. Auburn's up two with nine with seventeen seconds left, and he keeps saying to himself over and over, "For Chuma, for Chuma, for yeah. Chuma." And he's talking about Chuma Kiki, of course, the Auburn starter who's been out with a torn ACL since the, right the end of the UNC game. That moment was like, oh my god, they're going to play that on one shiny moment. Yeah. This is going to be like such a key piece, and they probably still will. Maybe I don't know, but. You just think, okay, this uh, this team it, is Connor. just <laughs> they they still could. I mean, they got to play stuff from everybody. You know, everybody yeah. there is a losing team. Um, 
And for them to still not be able to pull ahead when you think right after he makes those two, it's like, yep, this is just Auburn's destiny. This is just what's going to happen. And then they still just don't find a way to, 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 to pull it out at the end. And I know that people are going to look at the officiating and stuff. And there's other little, little tiny, tiny moments. Not to make this guy a scapegoat because he was yeah. tremendous on the stretch. He was really, really good and under the weather. Jared Harper makes that free throw. It's a different story. And that nobody's going to talk about that. And he's the best free throw shooter. Maybe in, I think he might, maybe in the league. He was money all NCAA Eight. tournament. And he was he 17 of his last 17. And they kept yep. talking about it. And I, and I don't know why I'm so heated right now because I still enjoy the fact that Virginia won. But it was like, they kept talking about it. And I was like, why do they keep, he's he's perfect today. He's like 6 of 6 or 4 of 4 or something like that. He's 17 of 7. He's in his last 17 in a row. And I was like, shut up, dude. Just shut up. The brutal thing was this felt in many ways, like it was yanked away from Auburn. And in a sense, 2003 Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State oh. against Miami. You know, Miami <laughs> pops open the bag of Tostitos. There, there, are, there are moments like, there are, for some Auburn fans, it probably felt like that. It in, probably in did. Regard. Irrationally, it probably did. The no. Auburn fans who rolled Tumor's Corner, we saw the video of that, chanting SEC, SEC, the guy who poured the beer on top of himself at the game. And they got arrested. Oh, he got arrested too. Yeah, that was the whole point. He like because oh. he, he, he kept saying he kept saying like I could I'm like about to cry laughing at this because and no offense, Auburn fans, because it, it does suck. I, I get it, but if anybody gets it, it's Bama fans. Oh, don't do that. Oh, don't I am that. gonna do that. What do you mean, don't do that? This whole thing about the second, we, oh, you got a second. They've been doing that for over six years, and then there's that's. I'm not saying it's karma, but it's hilarious that it, that's exactly how it happened. Don't say don't do that. You didn't have to experience it, Connor. We're getting so many one-star reviews from Auburn fans. I don't fans. care. Like, like, be be rational and logical about this response. And I, under, it sucks, dude. Like, Auburn should have, I think, should have won that game. The double dribble call changed a lot of stuff. And you hear you hear Charles Barkley say he didn't know that was a foul. Neither did Kenny Anderson. Regardless, that's what you're paid to do as a ref. That foul should have been called. Auburn should have won this game. And I'm not taking anything away from him because this has been an incredible season. And I have been at the front of this line talking about how how awesome it's been to watch and how great sure. it is. All that kind of stuff. I. I've stood by you all of March and and for part of April. But if we're being logical, don't come out here and talk about this whole thing about Bama fans being upset and making fun of you guys for losing and the way it happened when we all remember rolling Tumor's Corner after Bama lost in the national championship. Having fans show up, having fans show up to Clemson's national championship parade. It's just funny, and that's what makes the rivalry great. But, yeah, I, 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 I got to chuckle out of some of that. Here's a question that nobody's asking that they should be asking. Don't be that guy. Don't you know, I knew you were going to be that guy, but like I was just, you know, I got to present both sides of this yeah. thing. So a question that nobody's asking after all of this. When you're a hitter in baseball, you're on a hot streak. Yeah. You do little things like you're very superstitious. I'm a little yeah. stitious, not superstitious. Not superstitious. You don't change your underwear, maybe. You wear the same undershirt. Whatever it is you got to do, you keep the mojo going. Yeah. I'm not saying that this is the reason that Auburn lost, but I'm also not not saying it's the reason that Auburn lost. Bruce Pearl, why are you dyeing your hair at this juncture? He dyed his hair? Oh, you didn't see it? Oh, look at, look at the pictures of that. that. Is it bad? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He I had mean, full-on, like, the Les Miles, Creed Bratton dye. Did he really? Oh, so, yeah. and I, I, will, I will say that one of the things I was most impressed by, and I saw the Bryce Brown thing afterwards, and y'all know me. Y'all know how I just responded to this whole his whole interaction <laughs> less than three minutes ago. And so Bryce Brown, like I totally understand and, and, and am not upset or think anything negatively about what was said afterwards about they need some new reps because we brought this up several times and now I'm getting heated. 
The NCAA refs in this tournament have inserted themselves, and I'm not saying that that was a foul at the end of the game. Fine. They have inserted themselves into so many games, so late into games, that it's become the headline. That's a problem. So I don't have a problem with Bryce Brown thing. I will say I was so damn impressed with the way Bruce ha- Bruce Pearl handled that, and even afterwards, because because Auburn fans were pissed, and they had every right to be. Like, and uh, you know what? I'll try to be fair on both sides of this. If the kick six would have happened, and it wasn't Saban's dumb blank call about how, hey, I'm going to call a timeout. Can we review that? Let's put another second back on the clock. If he, if it would have been anything remotely close, like that's a bad call. We should have been closer. That's why we missed the field goal. Bama fans would still be bitching about it to this day. So I don't, I don't think. Anything negatively about that? What he said afterwards, he said, we're going to handle this with class like we always do at Auburn, which, to their credit, for the most part, they really do. I was really impressed with Bruce Pearl after the game. That was such an incredible run. Players handle themselves really well, too. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great locker room shots, and Doty, you know, himself was handling himself like a, like a yeah. true pro and, and understands, you know, the magnitude of that moment. One final note here that I think is is at least interesting before we kind of wrap things up with, with SEC hoops a non-Kentucky SEC team has not won a game in the Final Four since 2007, when Florida won it all, when Florida repeated. Whatever. In terms of, like, you know, we've talked about it a lot, though, yeah. with the brand of SEC basketball and how it's going to improve. That's still the thing standing in its way, in my opinion. How many have gotten to the Final Four besides Kentucky? That was, Probably just that was a third. That was a third? So Florida, yeah. LSU. South Carolina. Oh, L- that's right. LSU, okay. hadn't, LSU didn't in that stretch. You're right, you're right. So Florida, South Carolina, and, and Auburn. So I mean, and, and I will say like that's that stat kind of sucks, I guess. But for me, as like as somebody that's watched this conference forever, and you know, like has has watched basketball, I guess more so than I would give myself credit for over the years. I don't really know what to make of that stat because you're talking about like how difficult is it to even get to the Final Four? You Here's know what, what I mean? I'll say. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and that's 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 part of it. Yeah. Here's what I'll say though. I'll be stunned if that's not turned around in the next five years, especially yeah. after seeing some of the hires that we've seen in SEC call, basketball. I think a lot of teams are going to get to that point, and there are going to be more runs like what this Auburn team was able to do. So, yeah. And I will say one last thing about Auburn and what what hurt them most for me after this game, for like as like just a bystander. Okay, and I'm being serious. You already gave me this look. Like I'm you said what? Are, no, because you said what hurts the most, and I thought that the Rascal Flat song. Oh, and I didn't God. want to interject. <laughs> I, I will say right now, I will never quote a Rascal Flat song on this oh, podcast. You're welcome. No, but what what I heard the most after he, seeing this was when Bruce Pearl, the, what, what he said, it kind of hit me, and it's like, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, because Bama fans take for granted what the kind of run they're on right now with football. And and I, I've said that before, but it sucks when you look at how truly difficult it is to get this far in a tournament, and especially not in a rude way when you're a team like Auburn. You're not a team that's Kentucky on the front of your jersey. Right. And it sucks to think that, I don't want to say it's wasted because it's not. It was an incredible run. You literally captivated the entire Southeast. It, it was. It just sucks that it's over. And, and, the, and the very last thing I'll say is, for people that say the SEC is stupid for, like, you know, cheering for a whole conference and they don't understand, you never hear Big Ten be like, Big Ten, Big Ten. Well, because you know, phonetically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be chanting that in the in the crowd. Anyway, but the stuff with Grant Grant Williams, you see his tweet. Oh, it was great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Telling Auburn players, you know, appreciate what you were able to accomplish. Yeah. I, I like Grant Williams. I def- yeah. My brother went on a rant about Grant Williams, why he didn't like him a couple weeks ago. I'll, and I'll I was like, what face, are you talking dude? about? <laughs> um, no, I, I thought that was such a such a class move. And just yeah. understanding the moment and, you know, having just been through this this obviously crushing loss. But, 
Yeah, I mean, just kind of a tough situation all around. Auburn fans will be talking about this for a long time. That's just the reality of the nature of the beast. Yeah. Let's talk about something a little bit less depressing for a certain fan base. Something that everybody can get on board with. Yeah! Our office bracket. The championship, to no surprise whatsoever. The dinner party beats the injury. My two all-time favorite episodes. The fact that you all voted, and I say you all because I wanted to emphasize that instead of just y'all. You all (laughs) went out of your way to make these two, the final two episodes in our bracket. You made Connor right. That's what you idiots did. No, no, no. It confirms thoughts that I've had for a long time. When like six years ago, I said to myself, you know, the injury might be like my favorite episode or like my second favorite episode of The Office. And no, dinner party's still the best. And this little battle that I've had back and forth. So to see that play out, that was great. We have a lot of things that we want to get to with this. Yeah. The first thing that I want to to discuss is the the have-nots, the episodes that did not make our final 32. Many of you voice your opinions on certain episodes that you thought should have been included in the bracket. You some of you said the bracket is is null and void because you didn't include these certain yeah. episodes. How do y'all get deep in your feelings? Yeah, a um, little, little hurtful, but, you know, I think we all in all, we did an okay job. Um, yeah. What is your episode that you wish could have been included in this field of 32? So, I liked Garden Party a lot. I thought that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm just going to say Garden Party. That's the, that's the one I'll say. And the reason why is because... The other one that I was going to say, the farm is universally apparently accepted. Oh, we're going to get everyone to that later. hates it. Everyone we're going to get to it. that. So I would say um, Beach Games is pretty fun. I thought that was kind of funny, but um, Garden Party. Wait, hold on. Oh yeah, okay. The return made it. So Garden Party for me. I just, I, I just for whatever reason, I thought I thought that was pretty funny. You have Ryan's toast. <laughs> He's like to the troops, both sides. That was such a peak Ryan line. And then like just I don't know. It was it was funny. That was good stuff. I um I have a little bit of a bias here. Pretty much anything in season no. eight, season nine that anything in season eight and season nine that didn't include some sort of like, you know, the finale or Michael yeah. leaving or Dwight becoming manager. I was like, nope. Such an elitist. Nope. Robert California walks on walks in my TV. Nope. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Um. So to me, that's why I didn't want to. I didn't spend as much time breaking down those episodes because to me, he takes so much away from them because James Vader is the worst. Um. I that's not that I I'm not gonna hate on you for that because that yeah. that is a pretty good episode I like it and what we've seen I think one of the trends is um, a lot of these episodes that got a lot of love were actually episodes that took away from the office yeah that that were that were in different settings where right. they're all doing something together and stuff like that uh, I'm gonna go with money and it's one of those great two part episodes that you have the the very famous line of I declare bankruptcy. See, that and that's to your point. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just going to add to your point real quick. That was like a consensus top 10 episode. When you look at any like if you just google top episodes of the office because I did that to make sure I wasn't looking stupid and I found out <laughs> before and after that I was. Um that was like a consensus top 10 episode. Go ahead. Um, so that line is great, and we talked about this too, and one of the things that we wanted to make sure that we did with this is making sure that the episode was great, and right. it wasn't just like a scene, because people are like, oh, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica, Tom Hart's favorite thing in the office. Yeah. Um, you know, people wanted scenes to be included, and to me, this was more about the whole episode and what yeah. really we're going to remember, because a lot of people could point to that cold open and say, I don't even know what episode that was from. I can't so, do it right now. I remember exactly. texting you about it, and I was like, should this make it? Because the episode yeah. kind of sucked, but... So that's that's the tough thing that we try to balance here. So what I liked about this episode, 
Um, besides, you know, you've got Michael doing the runaway train thing, and Jan shows up, and Jan throws the keys at Oscar. Yeah, that is like that. So that scene is underrated. I I think I didn't like it because of like the added part where I was like, why the hell is he working nights at this uh, telemarketing firm? Telemarketing thing. I didn't like that. Really, for whatever reason, I really. Did not like that. It made me. But he has the diehard critique where he's yeah. like critiquing diehard. I thought you would love that. You should critique movies, dude. You should like. He's a good, with all these kids. I don't know. Telemarketing just seems very upsetting, and depressing to me. That, that episode though was the declare bankruptcy thing. Is classic. That's a top moment. That is that is really funny. And, and you're, then the and other... you're right. The, the, when he gets on the train and he's just sitting there and the because tra- the train was moving, and he just. just and then he tries there. to run up to it. And he just can't. He just can't work up the courage. Run the... Away train. <laughs> The Jim and Pam staying at True Farms is also pretty underrated too. Maybe it's not underrated. Maybe it's just under. We didn't give it the love that it deserves. Yeah. But Jim and Pam staying overnight, Dwight reading them Harry Potter is, is yeah. all time great. Jim always says, you know, I always thought my, I always thought that my first uh, overnight date with Pam would would involve you know s- little manure, but not manure. so much not so manure. Much. <laughs> yeah, that's Dwight I mean, and Mose are throwing that is a, manure. That is a really good. Like, the, there's a couple episodes where they where they bring Mose into it, and Mose is really underrated. So speaking to the farm, not the farm, the um, the uh, damn it, what I just said it. It's my it's my episode for this one right here. The dinner party. Oh, garden party. Garden, garden party, party. Garden party. When when they go up there and and Mose is running valet, and then he's just like he's just like driving their car right into this stupid like cornfield, and then just I think he was throwing the keys too. He's just like bye. It's like <laughs> hook shot. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so how about this? The biggest surprise matchup result in our bracket. I think we're both going to have the same same yeah, thoughts on this. We what, what what did you have for this? It's without a doubt. So it's it's definitely Office Olympics for me though. It was Booze Cruise beating Garage Sale. Booze Cruise was a six seed. Garage Sale was a three seed. Right, and what I see, and we talked about this afterwards, and I don't know if I'm not going to say I didn't do a good enough job because I mean I'm, I ain't going to say it. But, um, no, like, I don't know if we did... There's several times, like, where we brought up, like, the stress relief thing, which, again, we will get to. But, like, when you talk about, like, stress relief, people didn't know stress relief was the CPR episode, the opening, the cold opening with the fire thing, and, like... The roast. The roast, all that stuff. So, what bothered me about the garage sale episode was the garage sale itself, you kind of... It kind of sucks, like, just the garage sale scene, except for the professor, what's his name, Legumes. That's hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. But like the ending where Michael proposes and announces, like, "Hey, I'm leaving." The fact that that lost to Booze Cruise, Booze Cruise sucks. I rewatched that again today on Comedy Central. Which and one? Booze, Booze Cruise? Cruise. Yeah, Booze Me Cruise too. is a little bit depressing. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a little bit depressing just because uh, Amy Adams is kind of just left out there. That was before Amy yeah. Adams was big, and in hindsight, the fact that John Krasinski would turn down Amy Adams for Jenna Fisher, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, Whatever. Uh, that's a different discussion for a different time. But I, yeah, I, I think that that one was a little bit surprising. And I think that names had a little bit something to do with yeah. the way that some of this voting played out. And that's not to say that it was all, all bad necessarily. That name, you know, dictated everything. But if you didn't have as, rec- as recognizable right. of a name, I think it hurt you a little bit. So um, for me, the biggest upset, and this was statistically our biggest upset too, was watching number seven seed Office Olympics beat number two seed Goodbye Michael. Now, I have some theories on this. And I, 
I love Goodbye Michael. I I've watched it repeatedly. Yeah. It, it's it's a tearjerker episode. It's great the way that he kind of gets this 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 send off that nobody quite knows about yeah. because they already sort of did that with Michael Scott Paper Company where he he leaves the company. He's trying at the very end when he's like crawling on the ground. He's like yeah. trying to say goodbye to everybody. So it's kind of glad that they didn't recircle that. But my theory on this and why Office Olympics beat Goodbye Michael is one people like nostalgia. People like the early season episodes yeah. of The Office. You know, that 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 is going to get a little bit more of, like, the classic, you know, the classic humor or whatever it is. Um, was it mate, was it nostalgia as well as just the fact that watching Goodbye Michael is kind of painful, knowing that Steve Carell's not coming back to the office so until the finale? I don't have a problem with this one at all because Goodbye Michael was, where did I have Goodbye Michael? Did I have it way up? Oh, I don't know why I had it at eight because it shouldn't have been eight. Goodbye Michael is, like, it's one of those episodes where it's, I feel like, we, I think I rated this, or we rated this too high. And Probably. It's, it's it's rated high because it's like, man, this is a staple episode because of, like you said, he's moving on, he's he's leaving, like, Michael Scott is gone. I, that episode for me is Michael Scott's Last Dundies, when they have, like, the, the big finale yep. part of that episode. That part for me is, like, the quintessential, like, oh, my God, Mike, I can't believe he's leaving. This episode wasn't that great, except for, in my opinion, the comment to my, that or, like, the back and forth that him and Jim have in the office, that kind of like where Jim tears up, which is awesome. And don't get me wrong, like, again, we should address this too. Most of my rankings were based off of me crying. <laughs> I yeah. realized this afterwards. Like, I'm just a pretty big B word. Just blank it, blank it out, Will. Um, it, like, I, I didn't realize this until afterwards. Like, that's where most of my rankings were. But the, the that part with him and Pam, that is, that kind of gets you. And he takes off the... The, takes off the mic, yeah. yeah and that, 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 is that part a, is great. But Office Olympics is a fun episode. It really is like a, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of fun, and when you talk about the nostalgia part of it, you talk about the early seasons. It's season two, so is Booze Cruise. That, Booze is Cruise true. beating Garage Sale is such a travesty. Way more than Office Olympics. Let's get into that because I did a did the the breakdown of our Elite Eight episodes, and yep. I wanted to see just where which seasons they came from. So our Elite Eight episodes, three of them came from season two. Two of them came from season seven, which was related to Goodbye Michael. Yeah. Or not not Goodbye Michael, but Michael's Last Dundies was, and threat was one level. of those. And Threat Level Midnight, of course. That's right. And then season four had an episode. Season six had an episode. And then season nine, of course, the finale also had an episode. So season two was the episode, or the season that had the most episodes in the Elite Eight. And I think and a the lot of people. Bracket, I think. It might have been. It might have been. Um, I probably should have just the whole bracket way, breakdown instead of but whatever well i think um, casino night and and some other ones like that true good point good point i i think it's michael based storylines are what we notice yeah. people gravitate to the most just because we got to see this before and after with michael and maybe and even myself i didn't really appreciate michael as much until he was gone yeah and i think you kind of look back on some of those early season episodes a little bit more so and say yeah, even though the, the the characters weren't quite as developed, like if you go back and watch Office Olympics, and we'll get to that a little bit more yeah. in a minute here. But if you go back and watch some of the the characters and how they were developed, Jim has this moment where um, he's like, "Phyllis, you have H O," and then Phyllis says, "Are you calling me a hoe?" Yeah. And Jim's like, "Look at Phyllis coming alive." Yeah. And so there are little things like that where you're, you're still learning the characters early on, and maybe people look back and think. You know, I kind of miss that. I miss that a little bit more so than everybody, you know, moving yeah. on and being in their own thing. So I get both sides. You know, so, um, yeah, for that one, sure. Booze Cruise, no, nonsense. Um, and, and I'm going to go, I'll just go in on that one real quick. But like, but what you're saying about the Office Olympics thing, you know what else I didn't realize until after I rewatched it again? 
was um, what do you call it? What I what was introduced in that episode was Shroot Farms. That's that's also true. At, at the that, end, when he was like, like Dwight was saying something about how he's like, he's like, I don't know, I don't need a roommate or whatever. Like, I'm not gonna move in with Michael. I actually own a, a beet farm. I own a 60 acre beet farm. That's a really good point. And I, yeah, we're still just figuring these these little things out yeah. about characters because at the time you're watching that, you're like, oh, why wouldn't Dwight want to live with Michael? He probably lives at home by himself. And I don't right. even know if they planned on circling back to that. I, but yeah, then they're like, weird. oh, we, we need to. Did it, did it ever cross your mind just also going down this, this is what this whole episode's about is this this show. So I'm not going to apologize for any rabbit holes we get into. Um, but did it ever cross your mind when in Office Olympics when he presented the medals of how long that must have taken to do? No, I never thought about that. Okay, but cool. it well, had to it take a, no, it had, it <laughs> it's, had it's, to take a while. You're right. Yeah, because... It's like the top of those yogurt lids, and then and then she put them all together with paper clips. Pam did a lot of work for Office yeah. Olympics. I know there are a lot of a lot of takes. Ryan Russillo, especially the Pam is awful take. He's awful. Um, no, he's not, but that that take is awful. The finale changes the. It, it kind of throws some some cold water on that fire take. Yeah. The finale and what she does at the end. Spoiler alert. You know, Jim ends up getting to live out his dream, but that's such anyways. a hipster hipster take for anyone to take about like, dude, Pam sucks. Like the fact that he chose Pam over Karen. Like, if you think Karen is cooler or hotter than Pam, we got other things to talk about. Whatever. Moving on. Uh, let me get into this. Booze Cruise and Garage Show. Booze Cruise sucks. I love Rob Riggle. He's one of my favorite all time actors. Fun fact: There's a movie if you haven't watched it before. It's called Blackballed. It's with it's with um, Ed Helms. And I think Steve Carell, like just a bunch of people from like that same core group that was on The Daily Show and Rob Riggle. So those guys have all acted together before, even though I know Ed Helms wasn't in the, this, the office yet. But like he was familiar with that whole group and, and this style of, of stuff. He, he's hilarious. That episode sucked. Like the, the Titanic thing, Dwight doing the, the steering, like that's kind of funny. But like the Roy, the only thing that that, off, that episode really brought us was like, that weird connection between Jim and Michael about him like sharing the secret to make him feel better, which was a recurring theme over time, but also that that Roy sucked, but we already knew Roy sucked. So the fact that that beat out Michael proposing to Holly and announcing he was leaving, God, that pissed me off. And also, what I noticed watching that episode today, I thought Roy Roy gets up to the mic and of course he's hammered because yeah. it's Roy, and he's like, "Let's set a date for our wedding, June 10th." And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're going through the wedding planning process right now. Right. I'm married. I've been married for, for three years now. There is no way that you know that that date is going to be available for your venue, Roy, nope. to just throw that out there. You don't have to. Look at you yet. break this down like logically. Yeah, yeah no, sorry. Just no, you're right. Throw that out there. And one thing that was also painstakingly upsetting to me was every time Roy was in one of these early episodes, it reminded me of like how I was in my 20s, and I get really upset. Every single time, I'm like, God. <laughs> he's hammered on a on an office booze cruise. Like, way to go, Chris. Did we have any episodes from season eight, Make Our Sweet Sixteen? No. Um, from People hate Robert California he, because and with he's good the reason. worst. So let's agree on this, I think. The only good episode from that entire season, one, was the episode where they had, like, the the pool party. Pool Party is a decent episode, but it also has a little too much of Robert California just being a freaking weirdo. Yeah. And the part at the end where Gabe and Ryan are just dancing, you're like, what 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 show am I watching? It, right and now? also like there was there's a lot of stuff about this, like their sense of humor that I think was the office is like it's obviously really funny. It's obviously very, very relatable to people. And one thing that I thought was like funny about it, you see these like certain little small clips like from season season seven through nine where you can see like a little bit more creative freedoms from like the individual writers and cast members like they were giving them. 
and it did try to like steer away from where or veer away from where it used to be, like with Steve Carell when he was on the episodes, but or on the seasons. But this was not good. It was an uncomfortable, weird like the Halloween Halloween episodes were like a staple. They're almost like the Christmas ones. There's consistently a good Halloween episode, I think, every single season. That one sucked. And it sucked a lot because Robert California's weird kid <laughs> the whole time just kind of ruined it. He's yeah. playing that computer game with Dwight. Yeah. Um, yeah so just to, to wrap up on Robert California, I don't want to spend too much time on him. Ever. I have hated James Spader for a long time. James Spader is an actor because I used to watch the show back in the day, The Practice. Oh, oh, and he okay. comes on The Practice and he ruined that show. He yeah. completely ruined that show. And I lived in, when I lived in Nebraska, the all the, the the like one of the writers um, of the show that he's on right now. What's the show that he's on right now? Uh, Blacklist. I was gonna Blacklist, yeah. And one of the writers on the show is from Carney, and everybody from Carney is obsessed with Blacklist, and they sorry, have screenings you, for it. You live in a place yeah, no, I Carney, can't. Carney, Nebraska. Yeah, Carney, Nebraska. <laughs> not spelled not spelled like Carney, like a carnival thing. It's spelled K E A R. Spelled K. Never mind. Whatever. Um, so everybody's obsessed with that show. Everybody's like, oh, James Spader's so great. I'm like, no, no, no. This guy is not. He is the worst possible thing that can happen to a show. He, Him being at the center of this, of like when he comes on in season seven and they're doing the interviews to, you know, to replace Michael and stuff and all that, and he's just overconfident. And everybody's sort of like blown away with him. Thank Apparently that's Jim. how it actually was. Yeah, I didn't like that. I, I thought that just totally took away from the dynamic of the show. Yeah. Critics raved about the move at first. They're like, oh, getting James Spader in the office, what a great thing. And then you look at the comments by the end of it, and you're like, oh, this is a really bad idea. You think? Yeah. You think? No, I mean, it's it's weird, too, to think that, like, there's only nine seasons of this, which I this sounds weird because that's a lot of seasons. <laughs> but at the same time, you're like, dude, that's a whole season wasted. Oh, wasted. And, and I will say, I think they brought it back in a really good way in season nine when it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, man, like, I hate people that say, should have ended after season three. Should have ended after Steve Carell. Ended. I agree. That's so stupid. There's so much more. There's so many more good episodes and moments that they gave us after they were gone. But with the whole thing of season nine, they, I think they kind of had to go out of their way to give those moments back to the fans that are like, I sound crazy right now, but like, the, like they, I felt like they had to go out of their way to like give back what we had lost from season eight. And season nine was a struggle from a writing standpoint just because BJ Novak and Mindy Kaling weren't on it anymore. Right. And they were two of the main writers. And if you look back at some of those great episodes, they were the head writers. Like, I think Mindy Kaling, did Mindy Kaling write Dinner, Dinner Party? Party? Yeah. yeah. So Mindy Kaling is so underrated on this episode. Like, people, she plays such like a ditzy, like, valley girl. And, and you know, like the, the Christmas episode in season two where they, she gets like a little flowery nameplate or whatever. Like, that's kind of like personifies her, like her whole character. She's so, so talented. I love Minnie Kaling. She's she's great. She adds a nice uh, a nice element to the show that I think a lot of people looking back appreciate her a little bit more. Let's get into something that we've teased for a while now. We've teased this for a good amount of time. <laughs> what happened with stress relief? I know many of you are wondering why was stress relief stress relief given a only a three seed NCAA refs Connor. People were arguing about this like it was Michigan State getting robbed as getting the two seed instead of the one. All that I get it. Probably more severe than that. It's a very actually, odd example that you'd bring yeah, up. Yeah, sorry. Open got a five seed, but okay. <laughs> Maybe like that. Sure. So here's what happened with stress relief. It is. You rated it very high. You rated it high, and I will I, tell you right now that I had stress relief as number two overall. Yes. I had it somewhat. I had it in my um, my like second second tier, I think. Um, but I wasn't. I, I I wanted to downgrade it a little bit because. 
I thought I had too much sentimental value and I tried to knock myself down a bit because this was the first episode of The Office that I ever watched live. It was after the Super really? Bowl, my freshman year of college. And so what happened was, I, the, so the first season I ever saw of The Office was that cold open, like which is nuts Jesus because Christ it went God. against everything I had ever seen you know, about The Office that and all that. That was on after the Super Bowl? I was on after the Super that Bowl in 2000. Better. Yeah, 2009 that would have been. So... I watched that episode and I'm like, all right, I've got this sentimental attachment to it. I love the roast. The roast is one of my favorite, my favorite, favorite things ever that Michael does. And these great moments with, with Stanley and Dwight putting on the, the mask of the dummy <laughs> as Hannibal Lecter was so great. So funny. I got in my head on that. I got in my head and I said, you know what? I, I don't want to let my sentimental value take away from what other, you know, because we were trying to come up with a ranking based on what the general public thinks. And we wanted to use our own opinions to, to kind of come up with this consensus, but I was trying to take public opinion into that too much more. And I underestimated how much people love that episode. So okay. that is my fault, and I'm so, sorry for that. And let's, let's, let's be fair, because this is a little peel behind the onion. We, we have definitely brought this up several times. This was like an all-out fight between me and oh, you. Oh, it, it was. We were like, I was pissed. Allie is still mad at you. Uh, I, I don't blame her. She, 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 she texted me. She's going to get her nails done right now. And she texted me and she was like, I hope you have a blast recording because we watched all the episodes again today. She was like, I hope you have a blast recording the episode. I'm still pissed about stress relief. I beefed up. Like, I mean, and, and, but so here's the thing though. And like, and we did get into like a, an all out argument about this. But to be fair and to come to your defense on this, when we ranked these, we had it as a three seed, right? Now, as a three seed. I, I didn't, I just put together a bracket. I, Putting together the bracket was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. We broke these down, like, here's the consensus rankings, 1 through 32. So I just went through, here's 1. I took the first ones, like 1, 5, 9, whatever. Those are the consensus rankings. Those are going in the same bracket, basically, right? Yeah. So yeah. then, like, all, like, the next ones, like, all the 2s, like, so 2, 6, this is going to get hard, 10, all that kind of That's stuff. That's what she said. Boom! There it is. Um, those are all going to go in the same bracket, so like or the same region, basically. So we had four regions of 8, and... Now, I and I've, I've said this before, I could have put stress relief in a, its own separate region if I if I really wanted to, because I'm I'm the one that made the bracket, right? So when you right. look at the original bracket and you see dinner party, the very very one overall seed number one top left, dinner party number one, it's on the same side as stress relief. So when you talk about stress relief being a great show, with the way people talk about dinner party, it probably only had a life of getting to the final four tops. Right? But it didn't. But it didn't. And so that's the thing that bothers me the most about this. And this is something that, again, we we and you were very upset. And I was very upset and with, with each other, at each other, whatever you want to say. You lobbied for, for this Dude, so much. I, so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Hold on. This is, I, I literally tried to get a re-vote. I, I sat here. I, I, asked, I asked our boss, Kevin Duffy. I was like, I mean, seriously, can we do like a re-vote on this or... Like, I was pissed. Cause, and I'll, I'll talk about the episode here in a second. We'll talk about it. But, like, what bothered me about this was we have it as a three seed. It goes up in the first round against Prison Mike with the convict. Right? The Dementors. The, the, the Dementors. So, and, like, that, I think that scene is the whole episode. That episode wasn't that great besides that one scene, in my opinion. And the one scene where Dwight is, Dwight is leaning over by the bookcase and he's got the money sticking out of his back. Oh, yeah, that's pretty funny, too. But, so, like, that scene... And, like, other than that, like, it shouldn't have been that close. And it was a very close race. It was, like, 53 to 47%. And, like, mm -hmm. uncombined with Instagram and Twitter. So that kind of surprised me. And then Stress Loop goes into the Sweet 16 against the Dundies from Season 2, which is, like, that's a good episode, sure. 
whatever. But I could have put it in a different region. I could have put it up higher and given it a more favorable matchup, whatever. If I would have put that much thought into kind of doing what I did afterwards where I was trying to remind everyone like, hey, this scene from this episode is losing currently. And I put that on Instagram and Twitter constantly because I was so shocked that it was losing because it lost by a lot. It wasn't even close. In the second round to the Dundies, it was like 58 to 42%. Here's what I think the problem is. The problem, we are not, I, I admit, I beefed up. I beefed up in the, in the seating. It maybe should have had it a little bit of an easier road, but the people spoke and the people ultimately decided. Yeah, y'all that voted. It wasn't, y'all voted, so that, that's part of it. But I think that y'all voted the way that you did because The Office messed up the name, the, yeah. the name of this episode. It should not be stress relief. It should be boom, period, roasted. That's it. Or CPR. CPR would be good as well. I mean, any one of those, and it would have probably made it to the final four. And what's what's so interesting about this, and and so here's, again, we beefed up a little bit in terms of, sure, if if you want to say it should have been rated higher, that's fine. And people are still pissed about this. I Like, when I posted the question about today, there was multiple people on Instagram that that commented, and I was like, hey, what's your favorite office question you want to ask the guys? That multiple people responded with, stress relief was robbed, that's it. And and so I get the frustration, but again, let us say – Y'all voted, let me say, so I don't put this on you. Y'all voted on this, not not us. Like, if we would have if we would have had it as a one seed, how far would it have gone? Like, you y'all voted on this. And so I and and to be fair, when you talk about the trends we talked about earlier, I think one of the trends that was pretty obvious was the higher seed won for most of the entire like when we got to the Elite Eight, it was all one versus two, except for Office Olympics. Exactly. So and I think was... we did a pretty damn good job on that. But the stress relief thing, what's interesting about this is we talk about this with the Bears Beats Battlestar Galactic episode, where that, that episode itself kind of sucks, but that opening is so iconic from the episode from from you know the office. Stress relief comes in hot. Like and I think a lot of times you see a cold opening that's really good. The the episode itself can be good, but when you go to commercial and come back and it picks up right back up where it left off. That doesn't happen as much. So when they open with the fire scene, and today smoking is going to save lives, and, <laughs> and, and, and Angela, and the best, maybe the best part of this whole thing is that Michael comes out, and you've seen the gif, and it's like there's so many gifable moments in this and memes and stuff like that that come from where he's like, oh, God, it's happening. It's happening. Everybody stay calm. Stay calm. And like sprinting, and it's like everybody for themselves, and Angela, Angela going, save Bandit, and she th- she throws this cat through the damn ceiling. That is that's <laughs> that was that was the promo too. That was what made me be like, all right, because I watched a little bit of The Office here and there, but then I saw the promo, and I'm like, all right, this show, this show, that goes against everything because everything that I've been told about The Office up to that point was, right. oh, it's this dry sense of humor, and it was the first real comedy that was shot in this documentary style yeah. show where there's not this laugh track, and yeah, it's it, you got like God. one camera going around, but like it was such a different take on comedy, and to me, I thought, and what everybody says is, oh my gosh, it's so dry, and it's considered dry just because it doesn't have a laugh track, and what The Office taught us is like. We as human beings know when we're supposed to laugh. We don't yeah. need a laugh track telling us about that. And you've seen how many shows have since copied that Everything model. Parks on and Rec. CBS ever has has a laugh track. It's the worst. Even a show like Modern Family on ABC, yeah. you know, doesn't doesn't need a laugh track because it can be funny without it. So, to me, like I see that and I see an opening like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this this show is not dry. Like, what are people talking about? And then that's what kind of gets me into where I'm like, okay, Save I need to go back and watch this from the beginning. God. <laughs> I love also. I watched this. I watched this last night. When, when Dwight is coming in there, and by the way, real quick on the laugh track thing, that is such a strong point. And and I know that sometimes I take these like hipsterish views of stuff where it's like, oh, I mean, everyone loves that. Like, I don't, I don't really like it. 
But this itself is like that. We'll talk about that with dinner party in a second. But like people that like Big Bang Theory, just get out of my life. That no, I got no room for you. Like I, that's that show is not funny, and and that is like a that is like a prototypical laugh track. And I don't need you to respond, Connor, because if you tell me you like it, I don't. I, I just don't want you to say anything. So speaking <laughs> speaking of not funny, let's go to something that's a little bit different. Before we get into some Elite Eight matchups yes. that we had that we're going to talk about, what is your bottom four episodes of The Office? Your all-time, like, if they show up on Netflix, you're either skipping them, you're gritting your teeth through them, you're doing other things to distract you from these episodes. We didn't even get into the CPR scene, Connor. Stop trying to skip over the stress relief thing. <laughs> I was on a roll. Um, bottom four. So for me, the bottom four episodes were this. I have it written down my little notebook here. Mafia, we definitely agree on that. I, 100%. And I think you see that a lot on the... I can't believe we're not going to talk about the CPR scene. I think we need to talk about the CPR scene. I don't care. Do you want to go back and talk about the CPR scene? I do scene. want to go back and talk about the CPR better. scene. You're like Andy in the elevator where you're like, oh, i got to sneeze, and if I don't finish the melody, I won't be... Yeah. yeah. It'll be like a sneeze <laughs> exactly. that I held it. Well, no, because that, that is the whole scene. That's like a whole show for me. It's like... You come back from commercial, and then that, and I'm assuming they went to commercial, I don't know, but you come back from like the intro or whatever, and you go into the CPR scene, and the whole episode, or the whole two and a half minutes, is some of the most comedic brilliance I have ever watched on TV. And it's, 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 there are things that are funny when you see them in the moment, and it's like, oh my God, that was so funny. Or like, I related to that because of this was happening at the time, and it was trending, and so it's, it's current with pop culture. That is something you could watch to this day. And it's so good. And they incorporated so many different parts of, like, and so many different characters into it. When she's going over the CPR thing, she's like, so a good thing is to sing Staying Alive. And Michael goes into I Will Survive <laughs> from Donna Summers or whatever. It's like, first I was afraid, I was petrified. <laughs> and so she's like, no, it goes. And then Creed comes over the top. He's like, the parking lot. I saw you in the parking lot. <laughs> That's where I know you from. That is like, if you, a lot of times when I watch The Office, I, I feel like, I'm trying to hold in laughs because I don't want to miss the next line. And and so that is one of those things where I just like, you just burst out. And I'm like, <laughs> like Creed, like, like it's such a Creed line. It's such a perfect time for it. And then you have the whole thing, like, <laughs> like where it just doesn't stop where they get into like staying alive. And then Andy starts singing, doing the root of the do thing. They're all like, they're both dancing up on her and like everyone starts dancing in the room. And then next thing you know, Dwight's up there with a damn knife. And he's like, harvest the organs. <laughs> and he cuts off the face. And he's like, I didn't think it was very lifelike. Turns out it was very lifelike. It, that whole scene, that's all we have to talk about. It's just, that was such a travesty to watch that. Man, I've watched a lot of bad, bad beats this year with college basketball. Ain't none of them measure up to the hat. Bottom, Bottom four. four. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Mafia. Yeah. Um, I think we're in agreement on this. Um, if Okay, so if you actually look back at this episode, part a lot of it was the timing because this came after Niagara. Right. And Niagara, as we agreed, was a, a top eight episode of, of The Office. Andy's character is the mechanic thing. Just not that good. Like, I understand. I like the whole Michael learning things about the world oh. and having him experience what the Mafia actually is and all that. <laughs> Now I see part why of you what, want me to skip over stress relief. My bad. <laughs> part, part of what made this this episode not that good, though, to me, besides just the fact that Jim and Pam are on their honeymoon, so they're you know over the phone. Kevin is doing this thing where he gets Jim's credit card canceled. Not that great of a storyline. Um, but yeah. they should have actually had him be mafia at the end, and that like they yeah. do this like this close where you know uh, what is it? his name is like Grotto or something like that. Right. They should have actually Grotty. had him be a mobster. Yeah, Grotty. Yeah. That would have made the episode better. The only good, the only good part of this episode, besides Andy pretending to be a uh, 
what do you call it? A um, it's like a mechanic, mechanic. repair yeah. man. So and like I didn't like it from the start because it, the first you first walk in, and I hate. I was in sales and sales sucked. I hated. it. I was terrible at it. But you see this guy, he's like coming in, and he's like kind of like trying to push something on you, whatever. And I, the first thing I realized when the episode came on was, oh my god, that's the guy from Dumb and Dumber, and I haven't seen him in like fifteen years on any on anything. He's like, in Goodfellas too. Is right? he in Good? Yeah, well, yeah. Goodfellas came out in like ninety two though. But I'm saying like, so this this came out. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like where did this guy come from? And then he's in, in like the whole premise of it is kind of stupid. The only funny part of this whole show is when he's like. Um, Grotti, like that doesn't make it, instead of John Gotti and Oscar's like, yeah, you just you add an R, like that takes <laughs> that takes away from it. He's like, disagree. R is one of the most menacing of, of letters. That's why he's called murder and not muck duck. Muck duck. <laughs> that was the only funny part. But that's like at, at the show itself, that episode sucked. I think you're right. It's because it comes on all the time after after Niagara. Another episode in in my bottom four. Let me just save um, this one for last. Well, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to skip to the, to the okay. next one that I have on the on the dock here. Secretary's Day. Yeah. Terrible episode. Terrible episode. Aaron with the freak out at, at lunch with Michael, where she starts making a scene, and and Michael is even like, yeah, Aaron's just kind of a weirdo. And then she gets back and finds out that Andy and Angela had a thing and that they're engaged. And then she like throws the cake in his face. I thought it was very out of character for Aaron because yeah. Aaron was kind of going on this nice little rise where she's gaining normalcy. And then you have a moment like that <laughs> where you're just like, oh. She had she had a wild upbringing, and she doesn't think about things like a regular human being. And it just, I, I, so, I wasn't ready for an all Aaron episode yet at that point of, of where she was yeah, at with her character. That part of it made me like her more because I I think, and it's exactly for what you just described as her upbringing. But she had a couple lines of this that were good when she said, "It's like, what decade would you want to grow up in as be a teenager?" And he's like, "I don't know." Like he's just so annoyed, and she was like, oh, "For me, it'd be the 1490s." It was like, <laughs> it's just like such a good office line. But it also, like, this is kind of that weird part where we were trying to like Andy, but, like, the whole thing just leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you forget how much of an asshole Andy really is. And, like, he was engaged to Angela. And and what bothered me more than anything was that when the scene happened that nobody defended defended, uh, Aaron. Like, she's just kind of, like, on this island by herself of, like, you know, this innocent little girl. I, I felt really bad and embarrassed for her. I don't, I mean, just that episode sucked. That was the the thing that stood out with some of these bottom episodes was that you didn't get the sense of oh this is hilarious you're like laughing at them or with them yeah you just kind of feel bad for them yeah, and to real. me to me okay so do we want to do all right we know the last two that are in my bottom four you, Scott's you Tots the and the farm yeah so let's let's do um you know let's do the farm first yeah, let's do the farm first so my problem with the farm and you had this in your top thirty I was stuck. <laughs> I could not believe it. And I called you out on Twitter. I should not have called you out. No, I'm you should have. That's fine. I, and I'll, I'll tell you why. All the reasons are dumb. So go ahead. The farm was flawed from the beginning because, like, the people who who put this together, uh, Paul Lieberstein plays Toby, obviously. He yeah. wrote it, which obviously you knew was going to be a dud. No, I'm kidding. Um, they cut so many scenes in this episode, which was made into this 22-minute episode, when it should have been probably like if because they were trying to set this up as the spinoff to The Office. They wanted the farm so I didn't know to be based on that. And so what happened was they tried to jam in all these random scenes that was originally supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be like a 40-minute episode, and then it got cut down or something. But then they also had the, or not the, uh, they had the, the Todd Packer storyline um, where he poisons oh, the, the cupcakes. cupcakes and all that. So they, they 
it was almost like they just dipped their toe in the water with the farm and they didn't give it really the 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 space that it needed to kind of function as its yeah. own storyline and it was it was like they they didn't want to take enough of a risk and i thought there were funny parts of it but the plot itself didn't make any sense and for a plot that's not going to make sense when it's not that funny and you're trying to set up a lot of these characters and you're trying to really like establish this kind of different the way it was shot was different too to me, that's what made it fall so flat was it was just so random and it made me not excited at all for the end of The Office so, and the possibility of another show coming up. I didn't know that that was a thing at all. I had, and until you told me about this like two days ago, I didn't know. And I wish you could have seen me because I had had like four shots of espresso the, like Friday morning <laughs> when you told me and I was like just buzzing around like a mile a minute and you were like, you just stopped my whole world. It was like, what? Like they, there was going to be another show? Um, I thought it was funny because of the stuff that was like, you had the you had the whole um, like the the whole part where Dwight <laughs> like his aunt died and they're doing the funeral thing, which she became too much of a character like, towards the end of the uh, yeah, I think way right. too much. But like the whole thing about like this he the Shroot customs they always had these weird customs and I thought it was so funny when they had like the the funeral customs was like you just go and you just say one nice thing <laughs> like you you were five foot eight at death you were five foot three and they just like step back and that's it. And then the part where Dwight like gets a shotgun and opens up the casket and just starts like, pumping like shotgun shells into his head. I thought that part was hilarious. Uh, but here's the reason why I thought it was funny. That scene, and the reason I liked it, and this happens a lot, I think, in how stupid I am. I just realized this. That whole episode was shot in the golden hour. And I, this sounds like a dumb excuse, but I'm dead serious. I Like, the, the colors of that whole episode, I'm, this, people are going to think I'm out of my mind. That whole episode seemed like fun, warm. This this is like an exciting thing. Like, yeah, the farm, this could be a, a fun storyline. The stuff with Packer, I didn't like the fact they held they basically held all the other characters hostage over this stupid thing about cupcakes. Exactly. And I thought that the, if they had just done the farm and yeah. it just that that had been the episode, it would have had a lot more potential, but it got a ton of backlash from critics. NBC basically said right after that like, yeah, we're we're not going to get on board with this. And it was I, it was a flawed concept from the beginning. And Toby, uh, you know, Paul Lieberstein was going to be the showrunner for this yeah. this new spin-off, but maybe in hindsight a little bit better because I think people would have eventually kind of gotten frustrated with Dwight. Like 20 years of Dwight would have been a lot and yeah. he would have transitioned into a little bit different of a character, but I don't know. To me, that's why that episode fell flat and for a much different reason oh, man. than Scott's Tots. So this has been a very popular topic of discussion throughout this whole bracket. Yeah, we're not going to apologize for this. We we disagree on this and I'm, I, no, I'm amazed. Oh, you, 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 okay, so Scott's Tots I had Scott's Tots in is 32nd. I, I'm sorry. Scott's Tots was, oh, I had it 25th. I threw it in late. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was in my bottom four, and that's why I said we disagree on it, because yeah. you had it in your top 30. I was that's like, fair. what? Yeah. Uh, I think the, the premise itself of Michael doing these cringeworthy things where um, maybe there's a moment at the end where you just feel bad for him that he right. does these things that you're like, oh, man, he just can't get out of his own way. But it, it almost it almost crossed this line of too painful to be funny. And that to yeah. me is like what separated this episode and even maybe even happy hour to a certain extent where you're just like, oh man. But it's different when Michael offers these 10 kids free college tuition if they finish school and then you see the look on their faces and they're all so happy. Michael's just sitting there squirming. And everybody is Michael in that moment. Even yeah. Aaron gets swept up in this like this excitement and she doesn't even fully process what's going on. And like that's so tough to just sit there and know that this this brutal moment is coming where Michael's gonna have to tell all these kids who've worked so hard, 
no, actually, I'm just an idiot, and you're not going to get yeah. this money. Even the redeeming part of the episode, where it's supposed to be redeeming, pissed me off. Where he's like, at the very end, where he's like... With the books, right? The books. No, it was like, he's like I'm going to pay for your books. And then you sit and think about it, like, wait, hold on. This one kid that came out here and said, like, you know, he was upset with him. This kid now gets, like, free books every... Like, that part, I didn't like that part. The only funny part of this whole episode is... Like, well, not the only funny part. But the funniest part of this episode is when when uh, he's like, you can't, can't go to college without a new computer. And... Can't have a computer without a computer battery, which I brought. <laughs> He's got like this like suitcase full of computer batteries. That was pretty much it. Like that, the rest of the episode, I I will say I strictly put it in there because of name and name only. It is a fantastic yeah. name, but I, I can't rewatch that on Netflix. Yeah. I, I have to skip that one. Um, what would have been better if, if that they would have if they would have dropped in little hints of like maybe every like just maybe like two little lines throughout the whole series. Maybe like yeah. a little line in season two, and then like he goes back to it in season five or something like that. Just little reminders of oh, and crap, they were I so good about thing. doing that in so many different episodes. And this was I, this was kind of like it's a funny concept. It just I, I don't think it was executed well. So it, take it that Hollywood. <laughs> um, I will say a this lot of people you. love it though. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, I will say this, and you know what's interesting about it too, and and we'll talk about more about it later about the dinner party thing. But it's people like dinner party on paper. For the same reasons that they like Scott's Tots. It's the cringeworthy thing. It's it's all of that. Um, the other ones that I had that you didn't have that we didn't agree on here for my bottom four. Job Fair. I hated that one. Um, where they had the job fair at Pam's old high school. Oh, and then they have to tell the kid, actually. The kid who wants to be the intern, Michael, yeah, actually is like, oh, you're not cool enough. And then he goes back to yeah, All of you are too good awkward. for this job. And he says the thing about the Air Force. And he's like, well, Air Force is fine. Air Force is fine. Like that, I hated that episode christening i think is one of the worst episodes ever oh yeah that's bad that's, that's just bad. the whole like angel like the whole thing ugh. and i think i think part of the reason why is because i think we've all been in that situation where it's like ugh, why am i here on a sunday at this stupid ass like reception center for some party i don't want to be here for and like on both sides like why do you have to throw this party and they get on that stupid bus like they're gonna go to mexico and that whole thing was weird um and then last for me was season nine customer loyalty and it's not a super bad episode but it was the first time i ever got mad at the office and it was because they took something they took such a long time building up towards with pam and jim and mm-hmm. started to ruin it and that, that made me so mad because it was such like an integral part we'll get to that later with threat Into, but that, yeah <laughs> like it was such a integral part of the movie that like you you had like that man that's like what one of the things that kept the whole show going and for them to kind of like flirt with disaster at the end, I hated that. Where they got into that fight and they hung up and Pam's crying. And it was just like, ugh. That just didn't feel like the office. It felt like they were just, they were, they were, they'd run out of storylines at that point. They're like, oh, well, you take well, Michael Scott. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. But you don't take Jim and Pam. Let's get into our Elite Eight. I want a favorite quote. And I, I realize that us keeping this to one is going to be impossible. But <laughs> Sorry a favorite, for me, guys. <laughs> a favorite quote and or scene from each episode. Let's start with the Dundies because there are a lot of great moments from that. Just if you go back and rewatch it and just like the breakdown of of Pam and like drunk Pam, which by the way, why didn't they have drunk Pam ever again? They should have. Agreed. Drunk Pam was great. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, my favorite part, I got really excited when I think it's the first time he started to do a rap ever or like a song, like he and he which became like a theme later with like all of his like different covers or whatever. But he came out and tried to do the the Dundies thing to Naughty by Nature OPP. That was pretty funny for me. 
But it's definitely the quote is is I feel God in this chilies. And I want to thank God because God gave me this Dundee. I feel God in this chilies. But, All time line from Pam. And, and the best part about that whole thing, it's like it, I didn't. We went to a couple of chilies this past football season. I didn't even realize it, but like. At the very end, as somebody that's worked in the restaurant industry before for like a long time, that smug manager thing at the end where he's like, and we took her photograph or we took her a copy of her driver's <laughs> license and she is no longer allowed at this food chain. That is so spot on. Of like, Great point. And why did they never circle back to Pam yeah. and Dan from Chili's? They should have had some sort of instance where the office has like a happy hour at Chili's yeah. or something like that. And Pam's like, ugh, this is awkward for and me. People talk about like in. about Chili's like all the time about how like, like that was like a, a Chili's is the new golf course. Like that was in the same season, like a couple episodes later. But the whole thing with like, you have like all these like hipster millennials now that say like how like they don't go to Applebee's and they don't go to Chili's and they kind of hate on these like chain restaurants and stuff like that. That this was like so ahead of its time, I thought. The episode or the the line that I that I think of uh, very often, and this is you know if you had a cocktail or something like that that comes up. My wife will say this as well too. Um, another great Pam line from this episode. It's like the ice melts, and it's second drink. <laughs> second drink. <laughs> it's so true. She straight that up grabbed another moment. woman's drink. Offered. She's. Are you gonna finish that? And I thought she meant like the appetizers. Oh, that's the other thing we got to bring up is Stanley appetizers. saying appetizers. That is so freaking weird, man. <sighs> Stanley, Stanley the manly. Why? Why do you say appetizers? Yeah. I must know. It will always bother me. Um, that episode though was was it was one of the best. I mean, all-time episodes, yeah, but the characters really just, they weren't developed yet. So yeah. seeing Pam kind of come out, though, and Pam, like, show these she true colors. She kissed Jim. She kissed Jim, and that was the first episode where you kind of think maybe there's a little bit more hope for Jim. That was, that was a great episode because of the, the ending, and you just had to kick Roy out for Pam to finally be great. Yeah, that's true. I had it at that's, 11 on mine. I think, did I have it? I can't remember how, how high I had it, but I had the, it up there. By the way, side note real quick, and I should have brought it up on the last, the bottom four. When I was looking up on Google today, it was like worst episodes. There were several, several different websites that had like their top, their bottom 10 or their worst top 10, 15 episodes. And they were in my top 10 of like best Ooh. episodes, like Night Out, um, a couple of them. Anyway, moving on to the second one, Office Olympics. Yeah, real quick. Um, just the end of that episode of, of the Dundies. The the rare use of music where they do Tiny Dancer at the oh, end, yeah. where they circle back to that. If you notice, some of the best episodes, and we'll get to this with with Dinner Party as well, um, They the use of music is so rare in The Office, and yeah. they used it so well. They used it at the end of Niagara, of course, um, and, and there are just certain moments where you're like, oh, man, that just gives you the feels when they end like that because they it's a show that needs no music, and that's right. kind of the, the best thing about it. It just kind of means a little bit more. Office Olympics. We've already talked a little bit about this. But what I think people like is this sense of community where they yeah. it's they're all doing something together and it's fun. it was it is fun it is fun and I, so I'm not gonna hate on people for for saying that this is you know a top three top four episode. Um, I will. <laughs> what are the, maybe the most underrated lines of that episode? <laughs> gonna, we're gonna have to say it. So go ahead and say it. Michael and Dwight when they're touring <laughs> Michael's condo. Michael says. I'm going to put a plasma screen right into this wall. Oh, that is not what I thought. That, I didn't even think about that part. He was foreshadowing big time. Michael ends up, as we find out from dinner party, uh, he ends up breaking down and buying a plasma TV. Not It doesn't go in his bedroom, and it's not you know all over that wall. But Michael was foreshadowing big time, and I picked up on that. I, my favorite line, hands down, I said this to you the other night, was when he said, when Dwight's sitting there and he's got his little aside, and he's going, 
He's like, yeah, me and Michael are a great team. We're like Mozart <laughs> and Mozart's friend. And then he says, like, no, we're like Butch Cassidy and Mozart. <laughs> and you mess with Mozart, you get a bullet in your head, courtesy of Butch Cassidy. <laughs> that was like, that was, it's, it's season two, episode three, I think. So it's it's like one of those where again you're still trying to get a feel for all the characters and that's where we find out about the beat shop but like that's that was such a peak Dwight comment you get a, get a bullet in your head courtesy of Butch Cassidy. Here's here's a question and not to hate on people who are still renting in their mid forties but Michael is a boss yeah why is he buying his first home in his mid forties I mean it's a condo it's not even a home so yeah it's a condo you know I mean? but he's a homeowner so that's yeah. that's the goal of the episode um, Michael goes from, by the way Michael goes from Carol's annoying client. Um, who Carol thinks he's gay in the episode oh, yeah. where she says it's very gay friendly oh, and Michael together. ends up dating dating Carol yeah. and that's of course his, his wife in, in real life there's um, no no better revenge than that man pretty impressive pretty <laughs> impressive Michael shoot your shot man by the end of the season they were you know going on a date together so uh, Michael's got a little bit of swag to him yeah um, oh, and by the way, Michael got a gold medal for closing on his condo. That was pre-subprime mortgage crisis. Just going to throw that oh, out there. Jesus, Connor, yeah. really took it to a dark place. Sorry, sorry. Okay, different different place. We're going to save. Um, I want to let's talk about. I don't want to do the inner. Uh, I don't want to do the injury yet. I don't want to do dinner party yeah. yet. We're going to save that for the end. How about Niagara? All right. So you episode. know this is my number one episode. This is your number one. This oh, is my number one. Right. So my, and I'll just, I'll, I'll say real quick. It was Niagara Stress Relief Finale, Dinner Party, Last Studies Garage Sale. Again, five of those six are episodes I cried to. And that's, I and, and Goodbye Michael was eight. Like it, it's, it's, those like very sentimental episodes are the ones that I really like. And I'll explain why later. And I, I, I figured out why. So Niagara, I, <laughs> there's a lot of good parts. This is like, um, like where Andy, it's, it's a two-part episode, and part one is kind of like, eh. Because part two is where you come back and, like, Dwight's wearing that damn shirt about, the like, the wolves howling at the moon. It's subjective. It, it, it's, 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 it's suggestive. It's how, how is Dwight such a Mac Mac daddy, by the way? I mean, like, Dwight just, wherever he goes, you know, night out, he, he gets the, the girl from the basketball team. Dwight, wherever yeah. he goes, just is oozing swag. He, it's it's like uh, Will Ferrell in that movie. Um, oh, my God, why, why can't I think of it now? With Mark Wahlberg. And The Rock and Samuel Jackson. Oh, the other guys. The other guys, yeah. When in like everywhere they go, and like people, everyone loves. Night, Sheila. <laughs> shut up, <laughs> shut up, Alan. Night, Sheila. <laughs> go inside, Alan. So it's it's a lot like that character. But no, when when they have like the whole, this is where you have the start of like Pam's mom and Michael start dating. Oh, um, I mean, yep. Yeah. So that, that part was like like the Andy part was pretty funny. All, like Kevin has like the little tissue box shoes. Like that that part's pretty funny. But, he should sue the hotel, by the way, for destroying his shoes. The fact that Kevin settled for a complimentary breakfast. Kevin, have higher standards of yourself, man. You could have gotten so much warm so from them. I was doing a deep dive of this, I'll say. And and one of the girls from behind the counter, I was like looking to see like where all these actresses are from and, and like people who starred in like like where else they had been. Because I knew I'd seen that guy before. The only other credit I saw from one of the girls that worked behind the counter was she was in a movie called Cleavage Field that was based on oh. Cloverfield. Just want to throw that out there. This is like the Yikes. whole there's like I did a whole deep dive on this. My favorite part of this thing is obviously the wedding montage where they're going back and forth, right? Where they're like they're getting married on the boat and then um what do you call it? They're going back and forth. They do like the dance coming down the aisle. That gets me every single time. And what what my or what uh Jim says at the end of it, and he's like, yeah, that was uh, plan B. Plan A was marrying her a long, long time ago. Pretty much the first time I saw her. 
one thing that I'd noticed that is so funny to me that it just it it kills me. One, Oscar has the same dance in every single film that he's in. I think Oscar's not creative. No, well, I mean, I don't say that, but it's just a funny dance, and it's, it's gone over so well. I think he does it in like other movies, the but robot, also, yeah. did you notice that that Jim's dad was wearing a kilt? Pretty boss move. If you ask I me. mean, that is such a weird thing, though. No, that's a, that's an Irish wedding tradition. Oh, okay, all right. Well. That's no, that's a real thing. I had, uh, I have a I have a cousin who got married wearing a kilt. That's just Irish Irish thing. That's just bring what, that up then. What people mind. do. Um, Best line, best line in the episode. There's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna list two because this is just too hard to narrow yeah. one. Uh, Kevin went at the end. Um, you know, <laughs> what a great wedding! And then he sticks his feet into the ice maker. He's like, my feet were so sweaty. My I can't even feel the cold. Barking. <laughs> yeah, that is. So that that line, classic to me. Um, I thought you were gonna say the, the six numbers thing. Oh yeah, one one more would have been a whole phone number. Yeah. Um, then the other, and this doesn't involve like Jim and Pam or the storyline or anything like that, but when they're at the rehearsal dinner and Ryan is sitting at the table and he's like <laughs> trying to hit on this, he's trying to hit on this girl and he's like, I was the youngest VP in company history. And then Meredith leans over. <laughs> this is the best Meredith line in the entire series. Yep. Meredith leans over and says, more recently, he worked at a bowling alley. Tell them about one of your bowling alley yeah, stories. Yeah, was good. That is good. That oh, is really that gets good. me every time. I like um, when that also when Andy does a split and, and Aaron just goes, "Oh yeah, what else you got?" <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Uh, the episode is yeah. That's that's an all timer. They knew it. There was a lot of build up to it. Uh, that that there was no way that that was going to get left out of probably our our yeah. top five. Just just too good. Um, all right, let's move on to Threat Level Midnight because this I think got more love than we were expecting, dude. Yes, I like, and that goes. It goes back to saying like how, I mean, it was a two seed to be fair, but I think I think it's one of those things where it's like, all right, when you when you think about the office, there are iconic images and scenes or like jokes inside inside jokes. So hope, love to be a part of one someday. Um, <laughs> that like that are, I don't know. They're they're like very memorable and i think threat level midnight was one of them because it was like such an ongoing thing like i'm a screen he said it in dinner party i'm a screenwriter and it was a good episode but it was kind of like nah. i think it was good not just because we get to see this this project and it was good because like i said before the office is at its best when it has these little nuggets that are dropped along the way that lead up to this and you're like oh i wonder what because they, they have the episode where they read the script of threat level midnight early on with doing it and the control replace thing. Uh, so the fact that they kind of built up to this was what made this episode great. And it was also this whole season seven mantra that they have where it's the maturation of Michael Scott. Yeah. And where he has this moment of clarity in the middle of it where he's sitting there with Holly and, you know, Jim bursts out laughing. And then, you know, they walk away. He takes it out. He's like, we're not going to watch this. And then, you know, he kind of gets Holly, like Holly's the voice of reason in this whole thing. And then he kind of realizes like, all right, this was probably a big waste of time. This is pretty stupid, but yeah. I can actually laugh at myself. And seeing Michael laugh at himself and point out some of the things, to me, that had That's a little bit more sentimental value to it. That's a really good point, Connor. I didn't, so, and you. and you're, you're married, so you, you probably understand this too. Like, um, hold on a second here. Uh, when you have, like, stuff with, like, you get into, like, fights, when like, the longer you've been in a relationship and stuff like that, and, like, it's, like, dumb fights. But that little part where him and Holly get in that fight, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you're real, real pain in my... <laughs> my ass and she's like just like he's like love you he's like i love you too and i'm sorry for what i said i'm mad and but like i thought that was so funny i've gotten like 87 fights with with ali about that that's just um anyway but it's 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 funny because it's like you start to see like you said like the maturation is like a real couple i will say what is funny about that whole movie to me is 
the commitment they had even it's it's like an inception concept of where you're watching something inside of the show and so you're watching this movie inside of the already awkward show and there's these awkward parts in the movie which like <laughs> like i just i think are so underrated like when he he's just like heads i do it tails i don't best of seven best, best. And he's like, just like this whole thing and as soon as he gets like heads four times he's like there's gonna be a cleanup on aisle five it's <laughs> it's so good uh my favorite line um it, it's it's I think this is pretty obvious too where um, they're doing the scarn which oh, okay this okay. the scarn itself is probably the best line jump to the right shake yeah. a hand jump to the left shake that hand make some friends tie some yarn and that's how you do the scarn I just did it too nobody did you? Can see that but I did it <laughs> yeah um, the the best line is is Karen when she yep. says Karen's only line ever banged an entire bachelorette party baby why why are you singling me out <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what like also like andy's andy's part of it and he's like trying to turn on whatever game is on he's like the kid gets sports so you who's a what you call it as like as a as a person that bartended when this first came out and i saw it i was so irrationally upset that he pulled a damn cosmopolitan out in a martini glass from under the bar i was like where was that sir like where Random. where did you have that hiding it was just mm, fun fact out. Steve Carell, really good at hockey. Really good really ice good. skater. Really, really good. That was not that he. I don't think he was hit a stunt double for any of those scenes. I think that was actually all Steve Carell, which no. is pretty amazing. Mop too. the ice. <laughs> Creed dies. Poor Creed. Creed, of course, is going to die. Yeah. Um, let's go to Michael's last undies. This is because stupid. this is as emotional of an episode for you. I think is any. Yeah. Is that fair to say? So when this episode came out, I think what's it was it 2011. Yeah, I'm doing some quick math. I think it was 2011, yeah. My second senior year of college, I'll say, we had to do this PR thing in some class I was in for like marketing, and, and it was over, um, we had to help promote Rent. So I became very fond, very fond of that that play. And Rent is an incredible play. If you haven't seen it, movie, whatever you want to say. Um, it's awesome. And that song is one of my favorite songs to this day. So when they closed Michael's Last Dundies, and you and you thought there was so much like buildup, it was like, oh my god, like yeah, Steve Carell's leaving, but Will Ferrell is replacing him, and Will Ferrell is like peak celebrity at this point for Will Ferrell, and like he had just sent Step Brothers, Anchorman's only like four five years ago, like um, it was. I thought it was gonna be awesome, and when they did that final scene, that oh, still gets me to this day. When they Steve sing, Carell had no idea that was coming. I know. That's the amazing thing about that. <sighs> so good and it was real yeah i that watching that to me every single time where and then you know they they close and he's he looks to the camera he's like well yep. this is gonna hurt like a month that, that is one thing that. that is one thing that that i think they did such a good job and, and we'll talk about it like with the finale next but it was like they did such a good job in these like big moments where you knew it was you could have just kept tugging on heartstrings because everyone that's invested into the show is like Man, like this sucks. Like this, this sucks. This, this part's coming to an end, and they did such a good job still of like just throwing in these like little perfect, perfect little little lines. Like they're just like so peak office. Watching the first Dundies and the last Dundies, I watched those two days apart. It's fascinating seeing the character yeah. development. And the last Dundies, low key underrated scene is. Michael basically doing like another roast of everybody where yes. he has the Phyllis, I've fallen in, I can't get up. He's like, it's so, so unexpected. Like I, I have that written down too. It's like one of my favorite parts when he does like the Joe montage and he's like, no, we need Michael Scott. He's a little shop of whores on Broadway. But when he does the thing, like when he's, when he's, uh, what do you call it? When he's um, Angela and he's like, 
Yo, my boyfriend can. He's a state senator. <laughs> oh, wait. No, he can't. That, that title has no meaning. It was like, damn. That was good. Okay, you just got into this a little bit, and I, a lot of people thought that Will Ferrell was going to replace Steve Carell. I, I don't. That was never. I, that was never the plan. He was yeah. going to be the the bridge to get him to whatever place they were going to try and go to in season right. eight after he left. Did you want Will Ferrell to be the new boss? Not after they brought him on. Yeah, I didn't think it worked that well. No, it was, I didn't it think was D'Angelo awful. Vickers was that good. And I, I still wonder if it was a little bit about me. The I love the American Southwest. Um, yeah, like there's parts of it that are really funny, like the juggling scene. That part is with the Evanescence song, yeah, yeah, so good. Yes, um, I couldn't care less about that baby. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to say that to one of my friend's kids. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, like it, it is the whole thing is. I wonder if 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 they made him awful on purpose or if it really was just like a bad. No, I think the plan was they were going to do a three episode thing with yeah. him. It was something they had always talked about, and it was just the right time to do it. Are you um, sure, man? You serious? Call? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look look that up. But finale uh, here. Best real quick. Best line in that episode actually had I, I thought had nothing to do with anything like that. It was the sequence of Ryan and Pam in the beginning when they find out that they're going to be at this this certain yes. Italian restaurant, and Pam is like, "Oh, their breadsticks are like crack." And then Ryan says, "I love when people say like crack who have obviously never done crack." And then Pam fires yes. back and goes, "Well, the breadsticks are like what then, Ryan? What can I use?" Yeah. And he says, "I don't know. Something from your world. The breadsticks are like scrapbooking." And she's like, "No, no, you're right. I'm uh, a middle class fraud." fraud. <laughs> Dude, that is so. Sp- Spot on. I have it written down here. That is so spot on. And that's what I was trying to allude to earlier when I said, like, they give them a, a lot more leeway with, like, their creative writing and, like, yep. ma- making it more personable. Because that is, that, that was one such a Ryan comment to make. But it was, it, it was almost done so as, like, you, it felt like it was coming from BJ Novak, not just Ryan. Exactly. And that's what made it so great. Ryan's character is, is wild. It's yep. all over the place. The finale. We have a lot of thoughts on the way that they close things out. And I think that all in all, we were satisfied. There were a lot of uh, loose ends that were that were sort of tied, which there aren't too many in a show like The Office. I mean, we pretty much know what we're getting. Uh, but just seeing Dwight and Angela finally get married after all those years was yeah. great. Um, seeing Ryan and Kelly run off together that like was... that and ditch the baby was, was awesome. I thought that if The Office had a bad finale... And I say this, this is my favorite show of all time. It would have severely hurt the show yeah. in many ways because of how frustrating seasons eight and season nine were. And if they just had this dud finale where it was like, like kind of like how the, the, the How I Met Your Mother family. Oh. Yeah, yeah. the Seinfeld finale I didn't think was that good, but some people liked it. If they had just laid a total egg, it would have really hurt the, the lasting impression of the show. It would have hurt the rewatchability of it, but because... It was ended so perfectly. It made me really want to go back and like dig into just the build up to the family. It was so great. One of the first times we ever talked about the office, Connor, me and you, and we don't we we disagree on a lot. I say we disagree on stuff more than we agree on stuff, probably. Probably. Yeah. So which is fine. But like, there was a comment I made to you, and I was like, oh man, the finale just gets me every time. I I cry like every time I see it. I've watched it like three times in the past like two weeks, and you're like, yeah, I can't do that to myself. <laughs> And it was like, it's like a spot-on comment to make. Like, yeah, I can't do that to myself. Like, that is, it was, it was really, I, I thought it was hilarious. The, the finale itself, for me, there's so many parts and layers of that episode that make it my, one of my favorites. It was, it was ranked number three overall for me. Because you have, like, the whole panel thing I thought was hilarious. The, the Gutenprog thing, uh, or is that what, no, Perfectenschlag, like, in going into... Like Dwight's uh No, Gutenprog, Gutenprog. Gutenprog, right. yeah, yeah. Like where it's like, is that right or are you making fun of me? 
No, no, no. You're actually right. Perfecto Slag is, is earlier on. No, okay. where he gets the, the bestest mensch thing. Yeah, where yeah. They, do, they pull the prank with Moe's. Yeah. And so, like, all of that's really funny. Um, I, also, I noticed today that when Kevin turns out, he's like, well, well, well. That's six wells. <laughs> he only said well five times. So even in that moment, it's like he's still messing up. Because, and, and I was like this, I told Allie this too. I was like, the opening scene where he's got the cakes out, whatever. There's at least three times that I have watched that episode and then immediately left, gone downstairs to Publix and bought a cake. That whole episode for me, just does, it just does it for me. But the reason why is because, and I, I figured this out today. There's a line at the end of it, and they, they, they did such an incredible job of like splicing in again all these like little funny parts, but then also all these parts that are like supposed to be like sentimental and and like you know kind of like tug on your heartstrings. I love what they did with Creed, and they talk about him being in um, what the, what was the name of the band? I just listened on Spotify for like thirty minutes. And he got arrested at the end, and then yeah. he, he has his final he has his final like you know FaceTime thing, and then the two officers are right. surrounding him. Yeah, let's do this. But no, when Jim says this thing, he's like, you know, I worked this job that I hated for however many years. And he's like, everything I have, I have because of this job. That hits so close to home for me because I've and I've said this a bazillion times on the podcast. When I bartended at Houston's, I hated that job every single day that I went in there, putting on that damn vest and bow tie, looking like a freaking magician. I hated that job. But I met my fiance there, and I met Kevin Duffy there, and I got my my job and hopefully career, and and my like soon to be wife, at, at the same place. And I just that that episode always hits home for me because of that. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. And that the way that they also set up when in season eight and season nine, everybody's like Steve Carell, you coming back? You coming back? Please bring Steve Carell back just for an episode. We just need an episode. It's like when your favorite teacher leaves and they bring in a substitute. The substitute's terrible, and you're like, yeah. just bring back the regular teacher. Maybe she's, you know, like he or she is on paternity leave or something like that. You're like, just I, I need this to feel like it was before. Right. And where they set up to the point where Jim looks at Dwight and he's like, it can't be your bestest match. I'm not old enough. And then Dwight turns around and sees Michael standing yeah, there. That's... And then says, Michael, I can't believe you came. And then his line is, that's what she said. Bawling. Dude, every single every time. time. And oh, yeah, that's that's where it starts for me. And then and then Aaron finding her parents at the panel. That's pretty good too. That that yeah. stuff's really good for me. And then uh but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of like Hold on. There's a lot of good comments in there. Like like ever since Angela moved in and Mo stopped sleeping at the foot of my bed, he's been really weird. Like that that comment <laughs> when they do the whole panel and it's like you you have this like weird thing where it's like you, again you brought this up several times how they didn't know how to end like Ed Helms' character and like they didn't know what to do with it and the whole athlete and Daryl had kind of gone off. It was it was a mess. It really was. But it, they kind of like circled back and closed that in a good way. It, it, it's, it was done so well that we even thought it was okay to steal a baby at the end of that episode. When, yeah, we all laughed at that. When Nelly was like, I know somebody that would care for that baby. It was like, wait, what? Like, I, I noticed that today. I was like, oh my God, she just straight up stole that kid. You can't do that. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't. Um, but no, like that, that whole that whole part was was pretty awesome, I thought. Um, and then that, and Creed has that line. And I thought it just like, if you've, if you've ever like, like, I don't know, we just... It was. I thought it was a really cool line when he was like, "I still have my medal from that." When they're talking about the Office Olympics, and and uh, Angela was like, "Do you even have a mattress?" And he's like, "No, but I still have my medal." And I just thought that was a, like a really. I'm being overly sentimental, but I thought it was a really cool line. That's Creed in a nutshell. That's Creed in a nutshell. Um, let's talk about the, the our championship matchup. We're Jesus. we're running we're running a little low on time, but that's okay. Um, the injury and dinner party. We're gonna start with the injury. I think the injury 
for so many people, and the ratings were off the charts for this episode. I mean, they were they were ridiculous. And the way that so it was re- received by by critics. I think originally it was going to be, the, like the title of the episode was going to be The Grilled Foot or something like that, which really? would have still been really good too. Um, but there are so many little moments of this episode that to me stand out. And, you know, just from the opening where Michael is on blast on voicemail talking to the entire office about, I grilled my foot, grilled my foot. <laughs> you grilled like, your foot. <laughs> don't send Dwight, don't send Dwight. And, <laughs> That Dwight just races off and then gets in gets in his car, gets into the crash, and then it just pukes all over his car. Right. To me, that 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 part is is so great. And ha- the half of the episode, so Michael in doing his whole thing where he's being, yeah, I'm fussy, and he's and he's trying to just get all the attention in the world for for this this thing because he wants to come into work, he wants people to baby him and all that. But Dwight with a concussion. Is awesome, so and I'm good. so glad that they did this because the the relationship that he and Pam develop, and all these little moments where you're like, oh, Dwight might actually just be a robot, and when you tweak him a certain way, he can turn into a real regular human being, and that to me was like what made what put the episode over the top when he's getting into Meredith's car, and you know he and Michael get into the battle with the spray bottle. I, you, you don't work. I don't work in this van. You Give can't me the bottle right me. now, or I'll fire you. You can't fire me. I don't work in this van. The, and we talked about this before. The the line when he said, I think we talked about it on Friday, but he was like, um, the line when he when he's like, where are we going? He's like, Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, I'm so sick of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> There's so many small little lines. Like like the fact that it was like he grilled his foot on a George Foreman grill for like, and and then he tries to defend it, and he's like the whole the whole set of it. He's like, yeah, what's wrong? Every night I lay out six strips of bacon. It's good for me. It's it's healthy or whatever. It's like it's so it's so classic. And like and then just everything that unfolds out like. Pam, will you please come in here and rub some butter on my foot? I have country crock in the like. Oh my god! But yeah, Dwight, Dwight having the <laughs> Dwight having the concussion. They called him the moon faced kid. It's like like that was that was good. That was good. Yeah, too. Dwight getting called a kid was pretty. Uh, yeah, I, that, that surprised me. If he had if I had heard somebody called Dwight a kid, I'd be like, well, that's not Dwight. He's how, he's kind of old. How but. long do you? How long does it take you to brush your teeth? <laughs> I don't know, like thirty seconds. That's three times as long as it takes me. <laughs> like, that's like I think about that when I brush my teeth. I'm like, I should be brushed for longer than Michael brushes his teeth. Yeah, every time. Uh, Jim and Dwight, best friends forever, as we find out. Jim and Dwight. Yeah, Jim Jim as well, because Jim knows his middle name. He knows his middle name's Kurt. Oh, yeah. And that was a little, like, moment where you're like, oh, yeah, they actually actually do like each other. Um, The part, ultimately, that every single time, bar none, gets me to just keel over is when they're in the the um, they're in the doctor's office and Dwight is you know getting treatment or whatever and the doctor's like uh, is the skin red and swollen and then Dwight <laughs> looks at him and goes that's what she said and the doctor's chuckle is what gets me every, every time. time it's like this little belly laugh it's so it's genuine so funny Damn, Dwight that's my joke that's my, um, it's, I think it's funny too because that might have been the first time that somebody else took his joke. And you kind of see it throughout, like, the, the episodes later on, like, in the office, where any time that happens, like, when they go to Niagara, it's like, you know, what happens in Niagara stays, stays in, Niagara. in Niagara. He gets so upset when somebody steals a joke. That's my joke! That's my joke! Like, that. yeah, anyway. Puts his foot in the, sca- in the scan at the end, at the last second. Oh, man, Why, why are me. you here? What, what else should I put? Uh, concussion. What did you put? Oh. Driving a friend to the hospital. The injury is all time. Yeah. It's classic. But... It is still not quite the dinner party. It's the perfect episode. There, There is just so many moving pieces with seeing this, getting this little peek inside Michael 
and Jan and what their life is is like in reaching this boiling point. God. To me, I, I, there there are too many things to pick out. Like just the the lines in here, I have a lot of thoughts. So I want to I want to clear the air. Why did you not have this as number one? That that I don't. That, that, I I was generous putting it at four. It's Whoa. it's more underrated than than I gave it credit for for me because I've ne- I've never thought it was that great, but even even now like it's it's a funny episode it's definitely a funny episode I'll say top ten I don't think it's that great and I think it's one of those things that's happened where everyone has just kind of it's like Beyonce everyone has just Whoa. accepted the fact that like oh by the way she's awesome this is awesome that's that's just it from now on and and sure Beyonce is great whatever you want to say dinner party's funny but there's just it's not it's not the top episode of all time for me. And when you say like, like it's funny, then you get to like go kind of like, you know, peel behind the, peel behind the curtain or whatever we used to say about like, it's Michael and Jan's relationship. And there are funny parts to it and great moments and scenes like the plasma TV. I just don't think it was like you excluded everyone else on the, in the office from the episode. And I just, it was, I mean, it's good. It's just not great. Okay. So my goal is to change your mind. But I will open the I know I'm not going to. Um, so many great parts. Jan cooking with Pam's wine right when she walks in. That sets the mood for the entire thing. Of Pam's like, oh, this is going to suck. Um, I'm going to braise the abuka or whatever it was. Oh, it takes like five hours or whatever. Do you have an office and a workspace? Yes. Um, that was, that part you, was funny. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't work in my I, – I can't work out of my – or I can't do my candle stuff out of my workspace, whatever she says. Um, Michael Scarn makes an appearance, by the way, with a James Bond fire reference in there. Don't uh, know if you yeah, caught that, but um, the tripod, classic, where the tripod is still set up Sleeping in the bedroom. Sleeping the, the bed was funnier than that. That was, uh, that was also very good. Um, I finally broke down and bought myself a plasma TV. That, yeah. to me, is like Michael alluding to it earlier. No, just, just seeing the way that, that he treated money. The snip snap snip snap vasectomy scene. Okay, that part is great. great. You have no idea the physical toll that three three vasectomies haven't been a person. Snip snap snip snap. I have a lot of things, a lot of conspiracy theories as well. A lot of like questions that are that are kind of out there. Hunter as Jan's assistant when she plays the song. So we can all agree, like, Jan took Hunter's virginity, right? Oh, they hooked up. Oh, like he his virginity belongs to her. There's, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. Um, that that song itself, I will sing that probably till the end of. T- you took me by the hand. Oh God. Sorry, I won't get into that. Um, the charades can't get enough of that. My, my, my turn. That's right, Joe Montana. Why did you just say 49ers quarterback? Right, that part's pretty good. Um, so, another conspiracy theory: if Jim had tried to actually leave the dinner party at the time, Pam wouldn't have been happy. Is Cece ever born if that happens? Because leaving that and leaving Pam in the lurch, that would not have ended well for Jim. So savvy move to be able to reel him back in, not allow him to leave said dinner party. Right. Um, great move. My other thought with this, is the dinner party just a massive investment opportunity for Jan's candles? Yeah, I think so. so. I mean, it, that's why... It's not that funny. Okay, question. Did Jan poison the food? We'll no. never know. No. I so I the the parts for me when he does he dips the food into the wine. <laughs> that's hilarious. At the, and, the, and there there are parts that are relatable where he like like when with me and Allie were watching it beforehand and Pam Pam's like in the she's like I don't care what they say about me. I just want to eat. 
Like, we literally went to a uh, a cookout last week at my friend's house, and he was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to start around 3 o'clock. And they went golfing in the morning. So I thought, like, we get there at 3, we're eating at 3. We skipped lunch because this is like a mid-afternoon type thing. Awkward we, time, yeah. We show up at, like, 4 o'clock, we're late, and we get there, and they the grill is not even close to being started. And I was like, mother of God. Oh, boy. Yeah, that. so I, I got that part. And the and the babe thing, you remember you when you stayed here for the SEC Championship, me and Allie obnoxiously, I'm like, babe, babe. There's parts of it that I think that are really funny. I just... <laughs> I did a babe counter for that episode, by the way. I got to 11. Was it really? 11 times that Jan or Michael says babe. I don't like that story, um, babe. I don't like that story. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's oh, funny. a good story, babe. <laughs> uh, so a, a, a couple of the things that I want to hit on really quick. Uh, Peak Angela is her <sighs> slamming the ice cream cone against Andy's car. Best thing that she's ever done. The fact that they got it to slow down like that and just drip to the bottom yeah. was awesome. Um, a few other things. One, Michael dipping the food in the wine. The, my, that was maybe my favorite, one of my favorite quotes of the yeah. episode. You know I have soft teeth. How could you say that? Say that. And, then, and then Jan looks at, looks at him and goes, oops. Uh, like it's some big secret. Yeah. So the neon beer sign is a representation of Michael's youth. This whole because if you go to the garage sale where he's trying, that's that's just out there, and Holly wants him to sell it, and then Kevin wants to buy it, and Michael's like, that's not even for sale, and they they can't even negotiate back and forth, and it's like Michael's personality, and he wants to just have that in his yeah. home. That's all he wants is to have his neon beer sign, and then Jan is just not about that life, and then she puts on Hunter CD, and the rest is history. Um, the part where Michael puts up the beer sign, though, and says, how about, and then Jan says, how about we take the beer sign down and yeah. then we can discuss it. My wife quotes that whenever she's, like, making a, a comment that she's, like, you know, trying to be a little bit more like, hey, this is a really bad idea that you have. Let's do something else. But she's right. still saying, like, kind of like a fake way, the way that Jan did. Condescending, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, condescending. Nice word there. Um, then the final just Jan-Michael fight at the end is all-time great. All time. Not enough is made about her hitting that that plasma screen with the Dundee. On the money. On the I money. wonder how many takes that took. It couldn't have taken any because you would have seen holes in the background. You probably would have. That's a good point. Yeah. How did how did they get such an accurate? Yeah, because she really. I mean, she has to. She winds up. It's not like she's just kind of like heaving it at it. And that right. probably took a, a few takes with that. But uh, Jim stealing Hunter CD at the end, and then another great use of music at the end of the episode. Where you know, oh, they're yeah. just playing that, and that that like montage of Michael sticking his head out the window of Dwight's car. <laughs> yeah, I love, when the cops come. Okay, so one one underrated line from that movie, that episode is when the cops show up and they're like, "Not now, Dwight." That that part is really funny. Did you realize too when Jan throws the the Dundee? Sorry to circle back to this. Um, when Jan throws the Dundee at Michael's plasma TV that he broke down and bought, you realize that it was a that's what she said line that prompted that. Oh, I did not. Jan hates that's what she said lines. If you go back to, um, what was it? Uh, what was the episode where Jim is, is trying to just get Michael to say it? One of the early season episodes. And he's like, wow, you really think you can last all day? Yeah. No, you always <laughs> left me satisfied and smiling. And Michael just bursts out. That's what she Scott, said. Scott Packer gives him these, like, or Todd Packer, whatever it is, like, gives him a yeah. wink. Um, no, and so I think, I think you, I, you're different than I am. You're, like, no. better at a lot of stuff than me. I, I think, no. I think that. I don't feel like you've ever been in a relationship like that. Oh, I have. You've so, not seen my high school relationship. Okay, so like, and, and was like, was it the relationship before you and your current, or your, I don't want to say current, Jesus, um, you and your wife? Yeah, wife. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, that whole Jan thing, I think that do, one reason that resonates so well with people is because it does seem like the the crappy relationship you're in 
before you find the person you're supposed to be with. Absolutely. Okay. And everybody so, and needs to have part. a bad relationship. Yeah. yeah. yeah everybody everybody needs, needs to kind of go through if that. If you haven't had one, get out there and abuse yourself emotionally for at least sure. a full year. Throw yourself out there. Data Jan. See how Data that goes. Jan. No, it's, <laughs> and I, I appreciate it. Like, and I, I like the episode. There are so many parts of it that I think are are funny, but it still doesn't, it's not my, it will not be my top overall episode. It is, it is good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Feel free to discuss. Shoot us messages. Yeah. Uh, we have fourth and wrong office edition. We'll close out with with these. We got some good ones. Some good yeah. last minute questions about the office. Why don't you take take a hack at these? Yeah. Okay. So um, first question from Brett Myers: Which gym prank was the best? The, the calculator of the Jello is is tough to beat. But I like when he makes him climb up. He climbs up like the um, the the pole, like the you know the. He makes him like go through that that wiring throughout the office, yeah. and it just leads to nowhere. I to me that's maybe that's not the best, but that's those those two to me are always kind of what. And Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica yeah. is, is is all time. That's probably number one. That one's good. I like when they they make him they they make him think he's a secret agent. Or Dwight from the Future is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Gadar for me is the best because it was it was like that itself. I thought could have been so much more part of the episode. It's like Jim told me you could find Gadar online. And at the very end of it, when he has like the, he finds Gator and he's like, he does it in front of Oscar's pants and it makes a noise and he starts like <laughs> so smug and, and like happy with stuff and he does it to him. He's like, that, I thought that part was hilarious. Um, okay, second question comes from CRP231. What is your favorite and least favorite character? I'll be boring with favorite. Favorite's Michael, just okay. the, the direction of the show. Least favorite is easy, easy Robert California. Okay, so my least favorite is Todd Packer, and my favorite is oh. I, well, just he just was the worst in so many ways. Uh, my favorite is probably Jim, um, just because he has like you know he's awesome, but he has to overcome. So they, Jim was like low key really smart. They never really highlighted that enough because he kind of seems like well, kind of like dumb fun jock. Everyone's like has something in common with. Like he underachieved. Like he was just he he settled and he didn't. Well, yeah, if Jim actually wanted to flip on the switch, he could be really really good and he could have these moments where it would be like, "Oh yeah, you know, like Office Olympics when he when Office yeah. Olympics gets shut down, he's like, "Yeah, I closed two sales before lunch and then I had nothing else left to do with my day or something like that." I have so really, you, you get yeah. that. The whole that the whole P word potential is something that I I really resonated with that part of his character. <laughs> uh, okay, third question, what do you think of Kevin's chili tasted like? That's from Tyler Johnson 92. Gosh, that scene is oh, that's classic. That is so good. Um, I think Kevin's chili tasted exactly like he said, where everybody is going to get to know each other in the pot. So you yeah, you undercook the onions because everybody's going to get to know each other in the pot. I think the onions would have come out really, really well. I can, I can see some meat in there. I think he had a little ground beef, maybe yeah. a little little pork to ground beef ratio. I don't know what he was working with, but it looked good. I think it could have used maybe you know I like. I like having a little bit of garnish there at the end where you, you put in a little, maybe a little cilantro or something like that too, really take it over the top. I trust that Kevin would have had that ready to go, yeah. but we don't see that when he drops it all over the floor. But I think Kevin's chili would have been really good. More pinto beans. I don't know why I said pinto either. That was weird. Yeah, that was more weird. pinto Black beans. beans. Well, yeah, either way, just a little more color. It was very, very brownish. It looked good though. That's a whole lot of chili he made too. I'm sure it was good. It's it, That's a good part of the episode. 15 of 10 would eat. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, okay, last one. What is the best opening scene and best closing scene? Creed as manager is so underrated. That is from B. Denny Designs. That's a good point. Creed as a manager is great. I thought they could have gone in that direction for a little bit longer, maybe not too much longer, but like a full episode of that yeah. would have been good. Um, best opening scene is, is still probably... It's Don't you probably dare stress say relief. it. <laughs> it's probably stress relief. Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's hard to deviate. Although it, it is very different from typical opening scenes. I'll say that. Um, and one of the things, too, about Niagara, Niagara, I think, is the worst opening scene yeah. because it's all the people puking. Right. I hate that. That's, I can't watch that. I think the, the one quote that Dwight has about it is like, it's so badass. Like, talking about, like, the baby <laughs> like, pulling all the strings, whatever. Um, calling all the shots. Yeah. Like, so that, I would say Bears Beats get Battlestar Galactica is one of my yep. favorites. The the stress relief is hard. It's like a 1A for me. The one that I love more than anything, and I don't, I think it's probably, just, it's an inside joke between me and one of my buddies, Tyler Del Duca, is season seven, episode one, when they do the lip dub. When it's like, no, oh, no, yeah, that's no, good. no, no. That whole thing I thought was absolutely hilarious because it's like you get everyone involved in the office and like you see, oh, God, Jim is just a terrible dancer and you see that part again and they go through and they get everyone incorporated. Ryan's doing like the wolf.com thing or wolf. I always mess that up. Wolf.com thing. Yeah, you always thing. throw an M in there. <laughs> I don't know why. So then wolf. you have like Michael doing like the magic thing and, and Stanley's like, you're behind. Like that whole part of it. But like Dwight coming over the counter like with like the scissors and like like putting like the it might have been a knife to someone's throat and like licking the knife like that was I thought that was hilarious. Best closing scene still probably um, you have you have Hunter's song in the background at the dinner party that whole last last little montage there that that's probably my favorite yeah. closing scene and then uh, probably the injury as well where Michael's sticking his foot in the cat's cat. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, I think that's probably doing? that's a good way to close it. It's probably good. All right, take it away, Connor. I'm on one percent, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lose you. All right, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Glad fun. we got to do this. Um, yeah, thanks, we will, guys. We'll be back uh, Tuesday. We're going to be talking about some spring game stuff. Don't worry, we're going to get back to football. I promise. We are going to do that. <laughs> uh, make sure stuff that we should have We're going to circle back to it. Don't worry, we'll circle back. Monday night, we're going to get Facebook Live, um, 8.30 p.m. We'll get to a five-star review. So if you haven't left this five-star review, please do that. Thank you for everybody who voted in this, participated, sent us your input. We really appreciate everything. Coach O. Or Coach O, Toby, Dwight, whoever you want to be, take us away. I don't now you put me on the spot. That's what she said. That's perfect. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.